how our society treats food right now has made it so that intuition is harder to tap into. And that's because we are so used to processed junk and our bodies, that, that throws our systems off. When you're eating something that is a, a really highly processed fatty food or highly processed food with a lot of added sugar, your brain just wants more and more and more. We're hardwired that way. But you can't tell when you're full. You can't tell when you've had enough. Your body can't tell when you've had enough calories. Um, and so that that measurement that your body naturally should be doing isn't happening because you've kind of hijacked that system with with the modern way that we we live and that we eat. And so that reset is what I'll try to guide athletes into. Hello, yogi triathletes across the globe. Welcome back to the YTP. I'm Jess, your host, and Beej and I are in a 24-hour podcast hustle that has similar feels to New York City 2016 when our hotel room in Hell's Kitchen became a hotbed for conversations of purpose. This trip to Arizona is no different, and we are so excited to be in Flagstaff this morning with Vic Johnson, a.k.a. Vegan Trail Runner. The YTP is a 100% listener-supported podcast, which means no sponsors, and no commercials. You guys have stepped up and staked your claim by tuning in every week, sharing the show, and becoming patrons on Patreon, where we have tons of exclusive content for you guys and gratitude for your support. We are in deep thanks to each one of you and to our guests like Vic, who take time out of their day to come on the show and share their knowledge, wisdom, and even have been known to shed a few tears in the name of humanity. But don't feel like you have to cry, Vic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fired up about our conversation today, and I think you guys are going to love it. Vic Johnson is dedicated to assisting athletes in eating the right foods at the right time because he believes those are the ones who stand on the podium. Through many years of experience and research, he has learned how to optimize an athlete's diet so that the burn is clean and the performance is peaked. He coaches athletes online and works as a nutrition education specialist and researcher at Northern Arizona University, helping the school's student athletes understand and embrace the role of nutrition in their sport. Vic, yes, we are psyched, man. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm stoked to be here. There's so much that goes on behind the scenes of the podcast that people don't get to see, but the way that this fell together was just it so was perfect. perfect. Yeah, it, it was, worked out great. Yeah, it might on paper look like it was like last minute, <laughs> but it's so it was just it was the exact minute that it needed to be. So. Yep. Yeah, thanks so much for coming here. And um, why don't you tell us a little bit? You were a cross country and track runner in, yeah, in high yeah. school. So I actually started out playing basketball, um, which I still enjoy. I wasn't always the best. I kind of rode the bench more than, than played. Um, and then some of my friends got me into running. Uh, it was more actually my, my junior year is when I actually really started running. And yeah, I ran track, cross country. After high school, I kind of started getting into to more of the trails and uh, a little bit of triathlons and uh, then eventually worked my way up into, into ultra marathons and that's kind of where I am right now. The so. progression. Did you grow up here in Flagstaff? Uh, no, grew up in Utah. Yeah. Utah. So yeah, you grew up in a Utah. playground? Yep. Yep. And the mountain, the Wasatch Mountains right there were awesome. Just five minutes away. 
from the house. So super good access to trails and just really, really cool places to, to play. So. so when did your interest in nutrition start to peak as a way to support your athleticism? Yeah, so that's a great question. So um, kind of around the time, <laughs> kind of around the time I started running, um, my mom had been vegetarian uh, slash vegan for, I don't know, 20 years since she was young. And then my dad kind of started having some health problems, high blood pressure and, and diabetes and prediabetes. And so most of my family members started switching to a more plant-centered diet, uh, kind of to help my dad. Now, did uh, your mom know of these benefits at the time? She she did. Since she had eaten that way for so long, she had been kind of involved in, in the research and, uh, and, and felt really good herself. Um, and so at home, we hardly ever had meat. We'd have it every once in a while, but we still had like milk and eggs and um, processed foods every once in a while. But we, we had a pretty uh, healthy diet in general. But yeah, so, so she knew about those benefits, kind of pointed my dad in that direction, and the rest of my siblings, my older siblings, um, I actually have six older sisters and two brothers. Um, so big family, but, but most of my older sisters started eating that way to kind of support my dad. Um, and I was still pretty young. And so at home, I was kind of eating that way, but I would still go out with my friends and kind of eat whatever. I, I didn't really care. Um, and your body's so resilient. It is. At that age. It is. Like, yeah. You can do that. You can eat like a Big Mac and then go out and do a hard exactly. track session. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I did start to notice I I was working really hard on the track and in cross country and, and wanting to succeed, but the results just weren't there. And I kept getting sick. I kept getting colds and, and the flu and... I would, I just felt off. And so it was actually, my mom came to me and was like, Hey, you should just try this like a hundred percent, like for a week, like give it a go. That's okay. If you don't want to keep doing it, but like, give it a go. See if it helps with your performance. And so I did, and I actually got one of my buddies to do it with me. Um, and I, it was a little bit hard at first, um, that transition, especially socially. Um, being in high school and all the friends are saying, hey, let's go out to eat. And it's like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to eat there. And and back then, I mean, this was 10 years ago or 11 years ago. And so restaurants didn't really know what, what a plant-based diet was all about. And so that aspect was kind of hard. But I did start, I started feeling really, really good. And my performance increased. My recovery time went down. I stopped getting sick and I just had, I had more energy throughout the day. I wasn't tired in my, in my classes right at the end of the day in, in high school. I was like, well, maybe, maybe there is something to this. And that's kind of when I started getting into, into the research, mostly because I had friends and, and people that would, would ask me questions and be like, well, I mean, there's a classic question like, where, where do you get your protein or what about vitamin D? And all these things and I didn't have answers and it I knew I felt good and that's what I would say I would say well it feels good and so which really is it should be a good enough explanation for anyone right for for whatever anyone is doing but 
I, I decided I needed like some solid scientific answers. And so then I started digging into the research and, and looking at it. And ever since then, I've just been fascinated between that connection between nutrition and performance and just how we feel in our, our everyday lives. Did any other athletes, yeah, I'm, I'm sure socially that you were mentioning yeah. was challenging. Did any other athletes jump on board seeing senior times It was, it was tricky um, because, I mean, as you can imagine, our my coach was also a little bit skeptical. Um, he was he was worried that I was going to be missing out on certain nutrients, and and I told him I was like, well, well, okay, watch my performance, like, like, and he was a wonderful coach. We we still keep in in contact. He's awesome. But um, I said, watch my performance, and and if I start like performing poorly, then then you can can we can re relook at this and and uh, and reevaluate and see what I should do. Um, so that attitude also kind of, uh, made it difficult for some of the other teammates to, to jump on there. So, so, so not really, I was pretty much the only one there. There were, there were a few who were interested in some of the things I was doing. Like I would share some recipes with them every once in a while and stuff, but, and, and they were supportive of it, but no one really hopped on with me. I was kind of a. A lone wolf in that regard. <laughs> so your mom challenged you to a week. Yeah. But did you feel a difference that quickly that you decided to continue? I did. I did. Yeah. Within that first week, I just felt, and I'm sure some of this was mental. I'm sure it had to be, but I felt, I felt clean. I just felt lighter. And for a runner, um, you want that feeling. And so, yeah, I mean, within that first week, I was like, this is, this is great. And then it was so easy for me to, to look at the research and say, well, okay, that this totally makes sense. Why would I not be doing this for so many other reasons besides the performance? And then aspects. to have the feeling of, of feeling energetic, feeling light, feeling clean on top of the, on the evidence was probably even though you were going against the grain, oh, even yeah. though you were the only one, what did your coach right. have to say? Like as your performance started, you, you were feeling better, performing better. Um, he, I don't know if he really made that connection as much as, as I did, but I mean, he was, he was very happy with my performance. And so, yeah. So he wasn't yeah. going to mess with it. Yeah. What about your dad? Did he stay um, on the diet? Yeah. Yeah, he did. And it actually really helped reverse his, his diabetes and he's been on it ever since. Uh, as well as most of my family. So, so yeah, I mean, we focus a lot on the, on the performance aspects of things, especially on vegan trail runner. That's kind of what, what I'm all about. Um, but really when it comes down to it, I, I would say I even care more about the long-term health benefits because you want to be able to be doing these things for a long time, not just, not just here and now. Now you're married. Yeah. Is your wife also plant-based? Yeah. She is. Yep. Did were you an influencer on that? A little bit. Um, before we met, she had kind of dabbled in plant based eating and gone in and out. But uh, like many people, when they switch over, she had heard of the benefits, and a lot of it was environmental for her as well. Um, but she was still living at home, and her family was cooking for her. When this was when she first tried uh, to go plant based. And she kind of was just eating whatever she could on top of 
the standard American meals that they were cooking. And so that was like salad without dressing. And so she, she didn't feel good because she wasn't getting what she needed to get as far as nutrients and, and calories go. And so that wasn't very sustainable. And so she kind of, she kind of went back to, she, she hardly ever ate meat, but still went back to eating some of the other animal products and, and more refined foods. Uh, but when we started dating, um, we started eating more together and stuff. And, and she just said, well, I already, I already know this is healthy and I already believe it. And so I'm just going to go for it. So you've been plant-based for 10 years, a decade? <sighs> yeah, I think 17. So I'm 28 now. So it's like 10 and a half, 11 years. So, nice. Yeah. And yeah. so how did you end up working with the athletes at NAU? Um, yeah, that's a great question. So we moved to Flagstaff for Maryland to finish up her schooling uh, at NAU. She's studying anthropology and women's studies. Um, and I knew I wanted to go back to school. I studied psychology at BYU um, up in Utah. And so I wasn't sure when I was going to go back to school or what I wanted to exactly do with that. Um, but I, want, I, I knew I wanted to work with athletes um, and work on the nutrition side of things. So when we moved here, um, I was looking for just work, just for, for a job. And um, I can't remember how it exactly happened, but somehow I got in touch with one of the professors at NAU. His name is Jay Sutliff, and he runs a lab there called the Prandial Lab. Um, and he himself is, is plant-based. He's one of like the, the main plant-based guys here in Flagstaff. Um, and he had this research going uh, primarily with the athletes and a few different studies as well. There's the women's health study as well that he's, uh, the Nutritarian Women's Health Study that he's also overseeing. But they had this study called Ma the Mandy Study, um, and it was the Meal Aggregate Nutrient uh, density index study. So kind of going off of that Joel Furman's Andy thing. And he, he was a sponsor for the study as well. Um, and they needed someone to, um, help educate the athletes and help run that study. And so he hired me and, uh, kind of started working with the athletes from there and, and helping out with that study. And ever since then, I've just been doing really whatever, whatever, uh, the Prandial lab needs, at the school and then working with the athletes in whatever regard the, the athletic department needs as well. So what are those first conversations look like with some of the athletes? Paint, can you paint yeah. us a picture of what you're yeah, seeing so, at this point in time? Yeah. So a lot of what we work on, and we've seen this in the research that we've done with the athletes is just getting in enough calories. That's our primary concern. And so that honestly is, is what we, what we mostly focus on, especially during our first, um, what do we say, nutrition education sessions. That, and that we'll, we'll usually try to do that with each team um, a couple times a year. And it's kind of up to the coaches whether or not they want to do it. But when we have a team, we'll try to teach them, okay, you most likely are not eating enough. And that's really common with athletes in general, but especially collegiate athletes. They're so busy. Um, kind of like we were talking about earlier, they, they don't oftentimes have kitchens. Um, they're living on campus, um, and they're not used to cooking for themselves. And so 
they'll go, they'll wake up in the morning, rush off to class without eating breakfast, go to class, have their workout, rush right back to class without eating. And it's like, when do you guys eat? Like you're not, you're not getting in the energy and you can do that, but it's not sustainable. I mean, like you guys said, there's, I mean, a lot of resiliency in, in young people and, and you can beat your body up like crazy and it will still respond. Um, but, uh, it's just not sustainable. And that's, I mean, it leads to injury and all sorts of things. So, so that's our, our primary focus with them. Um, but then the, how the rest of the conversation goes is we'll try to, um, say, okay, well, we want to take a scientific approach with you guys. Um, and we want to give you the latest nutrition research that there is. And that is pointing towards, a, a predominantly plant-centered um, diet. And we'll usually try and say a, a nutrient-dense diet. And then we'll teach them um, about macronutrients and micronutrients and, and basically try and tell them that, okay, if you want optimal performance, you want to try to include as many micronutrients in your diet as you possibly can. And as we know, those are predominantly in fruits and vegetables and whole grains and legumes and nuts and seeds and things like that. And so, and they'll ask, well, so do we have to go vegan? Um, Cause they'll kind of get the, the plant slant that we're, <laughs> and we're, and we really try not to be pushy with that at all. And, and we'll say, no, just, just start adding, adding more fruits and vegetables to your diet, regardless of what else you're eating, add the good stuff. And hopefully as you're you're reaching that those calorie goals that you're supposed to be hitting, um, that those types of foods will start replacing some of the more processed and um, typical college kid foods that that are cheap and easy to eat. Pizza. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So easy. So the environment in this instance is stronger than someone's will, right? Right. So do you do you work with athletes who you you meet with them and then they run with it, yeah. and others who need that. You need that reassurance and the how. Yes. Yep. Um, and we'll work with athletes kind of on a team level, and we'll do those um, nutrition education sessions with the whole team. Uh, but then we always offer, like, if you want one-on-one coaching, we'll also meet with you. And I've sat down with several athletes and said, okay, we're going to make a meal plan for you. And they're, and they're really dialed in and, and into it. Um, and, and you can also tell with different teams – are more into it than other teams. Um, and that also kind of depends on the coach's buy-in as well. Um, because the coach, they're only allowed certain time with their team during the season um, and during the off-season. And so our nutrition education sessions takes out of that time. NCAA regulations, right? They're, exactly. There's specific time that they can, yeah. they can use. So their first goal is to, we need to get this workout in, right? Yep. So my next thing would be like, so do you work with the coaches? Like go to the top? We try to. We try to meet with the coaches before uh, we'll have those nutrition education sessions uh, and kind of say, this is how this can help your team. Um, and those coaches that we've worked in, worked with in previous years always come back to us and say, hey, we want you this year again working with our teams. Um, but yeah, if, if you can get the coach on board, then the team usually follows so where have you seen um have you seen like the biggest difference in in 
one of the sports at the at the college like there's you said there's some teams that you yeah. work with more yeah I, I I would say that the teams that usually have the most buy-in are are kind of those endurance sport teams um I feel like there's still especially with like men's like ball sports there's still like that negative like macho stereotype like no we don't need like this nutrient like we can eat whatever we want like there's kind of this it's it's a hurtful like attitude but the teams that that i've seen it help the most uh are probably the the swim and dive um and cross country and track those are those have been the teams that i've seen the most buy-in and they were, I mean, both of those teams were, were coached very well and were very successful anyways. Um, and so I can't say, oh, yeah, it was, it was our, our nutrition education that helped them. I mean, the, the cross-country team, they just took second just barely last weekend. Um, but they, they had won um, three years in a row before that, Nationals. And so they're, uh, they're a really good team. And same as swim, they're, they're also uh, usually really, really high up there in the rankings. So, um, yeah. I want to go back to the caloric intake because this is something that BJ and I have seen too. Uh, when we work with athletes who, you know, regardless if they want to continue to eat animal products, that that's, that's okay with us. Yeah. We, we want to be inclusive and, and we want to assist Absolutely. people in finding what works for them. And what works for me may not work for other people, like ethically or environment, like whatever your belief system is, it's their belief system is not my belief system, right? So we want to support athletes in, mm. in finding their way to live in alignment with what feels good for them. And, um, and perhaps the animal products fall away in the future. Perhaps they don't. It doesn't really matter to us. Yeah. But I would say one of the biggest things we see when we get intake forms, like we'll do a questionnaire, is oh my God, how are they doing what they're doing on this little bit of calories per hour? So not even, yes, in their training, but throughout their entire day. So if you were to put a, and knowing that every body is different, like what should athletes be looking at for caloric intake for their day? And then for like, Let's talk specifically endurance athletes because that's who's going to be listening to this. Ultra runners, triathletes, marathoners. What should they be targeting per hour? In yeah, their, that, in their no, training, that's, that is a great question, and and I try honestly with my clients, I try to not be too much of like a calorie counter or like this certain ratio of of, of macros or, um, and that is also kind of up to their personality if. if they are someone that thrives counting the numbers, then great, go for it. Um, but I, I'll, similar to you guys, I'll try and do kind of a baseline. Um, and, and usually I'll use uh, like chronometer, um, which is like a, it's like a food uh, tracker app. Um, and so it'll, it'll give us kind of a baseline of what their calories are throughout the day. And I've seen the same thing that it's crazy the amount of athletes that I get that they come in and they're just like, I, well, at the, at the school, we, we did a study and uh, this was with, I think, some of the football players. Um, and it was like 800 calories in deficit per day. That's like, 
a lot. And and for football players, it's like you want to be getting big, you want to be bulking up, and you cannot be on a calorie deficit. Like that does not work. Um, so to answer your question, I I I kind of choose a more intuitive approach, and I I look at more how are they feeling throughout the day, energized wise. Um, if they're getting enough sleep um, and they're eating enough, they should have energy throughout the day um, unless there's some sort of deficiency there. And we also look at those. But then I'll also look at their recovery. And if they are recovering well um, and it doesn't take them several days to recover from a hard workout, then I know that, that they're hitting those marks as far as calories go. Um, so as far as calories per day or calories per hour, it, it really depends. It really depends on the type of training, um, the, the timing of the training of, of what, uh, where in your training block you are. Um, and also just their, their BMR, their BMI and, and what type of athlete they are. So, so it's kind of a complicated, um, equation to find the exact number, but usually I like that more of a, an intuitive approach. And then I've found with my athletes that when they adopt that, that intuitive approach, their relationship with food becomes less stressful and they're not having to think, Oh my gosh, what, what, how many calories is in this meal? It's no, I know this meal is full of really nutrient dense, awesome foods for me. I'm going to eat as much as I want until I'm full. And they know that that works for them. And so they have confidence in it. The trust. Exactly. It, it builds the trust. And uh, we come across it as well. You know, I just want a plan. Just give me a food plan to follow. And that's great up until the food plan doesn't, you're not doing the food plan anymore. And you almost yeah. become a slave to it. Or it builds even more anxiety and fear that you're that you're eating too much. And how am I going to get this all in? Or... You know, what am I going to look like after yeah. I have all this? And I, f I feel like that one plan is, is sort of setting them up for failure down the road, whereas a more intuitive plan like you're talking about builds the trust. And it may be, maybe be uncomfortable to start yeah. with because you don't know. Yeah. But that's why you're here to help them find their way and give them the confidence to make those choices. So really, if, if you want to simplify it, like go just buy like a whole case of bananas and have like bananas for like yeah. two days and just see how that feels. Yeah. Like that's a good starting point. Like <laughs> yeah. I've done that like, just to see what it's like. But it takes the thought process out of what foods to choose and then start. We almost need to go back. Yeah. Backwards Simplified. a little bit. Simplify. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's so much confusion out there. So yeah, I think the intuitive plan is really good. Plus it builds confidence in, in matching the fuels that are going in their body and what's coming out the other end in performance. Yeah. Right. So you, that's really that tie that comes in there. And mm -hmm. the, the mindset that you have to be a certain weight based on a certain number of calories to achieve a certain goal is really um, setting up a severe attachment to, to this. And if it doesn't happen, Oh yeah. Big crash. Confidence can go. <laughs> Big crash. How do you support your, cause, um, okay. So second to, and perhaps one of the, the leading reasons of this caloric deficit that we're, we're all collectively seeing is, uh, perhaps a lack of body awareness. 
perhaps totally. a lack of like what's an intuitive approach that's way vague. How do you support your athletes in in starting to attune to that voice? Yeah, yeah. So, so that is a huge thing, and I'm glad you brought that up because how our society treats food right now has made it so that intuition is harder to tap into. And that's because we are so used to processed junk and our bodies, that, that throws our systems off. When you're eating something that is a, a really highly processed fatty food or highly processed food with a lot of added sugar, your brain just wants more and more and more. We're hardwired that way. But you can't tell when you're full. You can't tell when you've had enough. Your body can't tell when you've had enough calories. Um, and so that that measurement that your body naturally should be doing isn't happening because you've kind of hijacked that system with with the modern way that we we live and that we eat. And so that reset is what I'll try to guide athletes into. And you can't force someone to do that, obviously, but but try to try to to lead them um, and and show them ways that they can kind of reset that system. And that that usually takes a couple weeks with most people um, to get rid of those addictions because, because they really are addictions because that's just, that, that's the way humans are hardwired. And, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing that that's what allowed us to, to be where we are as humans today um, in, with evolution and everything. But uh, it's not necessarily healthful um, for athletes and for long, long-term health. So let's say somebody has like a sugar addiction. Yeah. Um, how would you help them in those weeks? What would, do you start to replace that sugar with more of a whole foods type sugar? Mm -hmm. How do you help wean them off of that? And of course they've got to be willing. If they're not willing, forget it. Oh yeah. Forget yeah. it. You can't change them. So yeah. they have to be willing. Yeah. It, it totally has to come from them. Um, and so I think, uh, finding the motivation is, is the first step there. Um, trying to help them see what they really want to be achieving and getting. Um, because if there's no goal there or there's no uh, benefits that they're going to be getting in, the, in their athletic performance or in their recovery or in their long-term health, whatever it may be, um, then, then they're not, that motivation isn't going to be intrinsic and they're, they're not going to be pushing towards that goal. Um, but yeah, just like you said, I will try to, uh, help them learn about different types of foods that are, that are just as tasty, um, and just as satisfying that aren't refined, that our bodies are meant to be eating a lot of and fruit with all of its fiber and phytonutrients that, that helps our bodies digest that, that sugar and, um, that's that's healthy for our metabolisms. One other thing that that's huge for my clients and for these athletes is just the practical side of things. If there there was a researcher, Doug Lyle, I don't know if mm -hmm. he wrote like the the Pleasure Trap. And, oh, I love that book. That stuff. Yeah, that's a great book. So, but his thing is like, if it's in your house, it's in your mouth, 
And so... The chips. Uh, yeah. They are always no, in my and, mouth and every true. time they're in the house. Even me, if there's some <laughs> like a slightly less healthy, and I'm not like 100% whole food plant-based all the time, but like if there's some unhealthy like breakfast cereal crunch or whatever that's in the like i will always go for that instead of oatmeal if it's there but if it's there i'll eat my oatmeal no problem and i love it but and and so for so for these athletes i think that is the biggest thing is making sure so i'll help them with their shopping list and say okay this week these are the types of things that that i would suggest getting get things that you like and have them readily available in your house um, and get rid of that other stuff. Don't necessarily waste it, but okay, this week you're going to eat all of that other crap and or have your kids eat it or, or whatever. And then whatever's in your house will be available for you to eat when you're hungry. And instead of going for those chips or uh, those cookies or whatever is in your pantry, you'll go for a piece of fruit or you'll go for the date and oat balls that you made or something like that so so replacing those those more processed foods so then the psychology of it all comes in where oh, yeah they're like well it's thanksgiving you know aunt mary or jim will want to have chips so i should probably have some chips on hand and then that stuff slowly works its way back in because mindfully it's really not for you but i guess deep down it is so you, oh yeah you're you you're involved in psychology right oh absolutely yeah and, and the whole Nutrition is basically psychology, which I, which I often looked back on my psychology undergrad, kind of in a disappointed way. Like oh, I wish I would have like studied nutrition, because that's really what I want to be doing, um, and that I'm actually going into a nutrition program next next fall. But I realize now, no, I'm super glad I studied psychology because knowing those motivations and and what actually happens in people's brains surrounding food is insane and it's it's all about that psychology and so um yeah i i feel like it's very helpful to to understand some of that do you have them start any sort of mindfulness practice any sort of like mindfulness eating you know maybe like pause for a moment look at the food that's on your table maybe eat with your non-dominant hand things that sort of beam them into that moment of what they're actually putting in their mouth I have not specifically with any one client yet. As far as the athletes at the school go, though, um, in the studies, we'll ask them if they were eating like while they were moving around or if they were sitting down or if they were eating with someone or if they were eating while they were on their phone or watching TV. Um, just, so we, just, just so they kind of understand that food should be a purposeful um, a part of our days. Um, and so, so no, I, I haven't done a whole lot of that. Um, but, but yes, it's definitely an important part. Of I think too, if we're talking nutrition. about like binge eating, which we see, um, if, if you're a binge eater, like what if you, what if you did that with your non-dominant hand? I love that idea, BJ. Yeah. And I know BJ did that. My mother always says, BJ is the slowest eater in the house. <laughs> Because, <laughs> but he started eating with his non-dominant hand to slow down because we'd eat dinner together and he would be done and staring at me and I would be, you know, a quarter of the way through my food because I, I tend to like to chew it. Now, I'm not perfect. Like I'm woofing down that oh, oatmeal yeah. in the morning. I think and, we all do that. Yeah, like, oh, I need more <laughs> maple syrup on it, more almond butter, you know, before the bowl is even empty. But with 
with this this binge eating when I had to put a label on it and I hate to condemn people to these types of behaviors because um, I feel like in a way it, it even expands them more. But for somebody who is working with something like that, that they would categorize as binge eating, what could you give them as words of, of support to start to break that habit if they're willing to break it? I think it comes down to, to replacing those foods that w- they want to binge eat. If you look at a whole food plant-based diet, there's very few foods that you could binge eat, um, that you could really just eat so much of. Um, and that's because they have such a high fiber content um, and, and you get full before you can eat um, that much food. Um, so as far as the, like the physical aspect of, of binge eating, um, I would suggest um, going towards that, that whole food, uh, approach, um, to the diet. So it's so true. Like the, cause the fiber mixes with the water in mm-hmm. your system and that's what gives you that feeling of satiation. Yeah. Let's switch a little bit, uh, more towards you. Okay. Um, you're a trail runner. What, what distances are you racing, running, training for? Yeah. Um, so actually in, in like a week and a half, um, I have the McDowell Mountain Frenzy. It's a 50K, and they do a couple different distances, uh, but I'm racing the, the 50K, which is actually a new distance for me. I kind of, uh, I was doing half marathons and marathons, and I kind of skipped the, the 50K and went straight into 50 milers and then 100Ks. <laughs> so I'm circling back to the, to the 50K, uh, but I'm excited. That, that particular race is... Uh, pretty fast it's it's pretty rolly which i i love really mountainous uh races with lots of elevation climb really technical trails that's kind of my favorite thing um and i love just training in those types of environments as well um so this will be a challenge uh for me to do something faster and and rollier i've been doing a little more speed work and stuff and so so i'm excited but yeah i as far as training goes i love training on trails um i do not really like running on the road at all i'll do it to get to trails or if i need miles or if i'm doing speed work or something like that but pretty much if i can find a technical mountainous trail that's where i'll be so Mm. that's that's what i love to train on how do you stay durable oh that's a great great question running on those types of uh, in, on that type of terrain is strengthening in and of itself. Um, I've found that, uh, oftentimes when I switch, like if I am training for a road race or, or a more fast race, if I, if I switch to the road, uh, too fast, um, and I just have that same gait, um, and I'm just in one line and just the same stride every, every footstep, I find that I'm much more susceptible to injury, but when I'm consistently running on trails and it's side to side and jumping over stuff and scrambling over rocks and and the more technical, I feel like it, it you become more strong. Apart from that, I also try to incorporate um, strength work as well. Um, so every other morning, I and I'm not perfect at this, but I, I try to every other morning have at least like a 15 minute session of, 
of strength where I'll work on core and and lower leg stuff and squats and a couple push-ups and sit-ups and stuff so so you understand the importance of the yeah the full picture and yeah. we're all not perfect you know it, no but something is better than nothing yes right? absolutely what fuels you out there on the trails like what uh yeah what nutrition do you take in um it depends on the workout if i'm out there for a really long time i'll try to have a little bit of i'll so i, I like to think of it in layers I like to lay down a, a base layer of complex carbs. Um, so whether that be, and that that kind of has to do with what I was eating before as well. Um, but so the meal before, I'll, I'll try and do complex carbs, whether that be potatoes or sweet potatoes or rice, or, or if it's the morning, it'll be something more like toast or oatmeal or bagel or something like that. Um, and then I, I also like a layer of fat in there um, so nuts, seeds, if, I, if I'm going to be out for a long time. And then on top of that, just uh, simple carbs. So one of my favorites is dates. They're so portable, easy. I think it's like eight or nine grams of carbs per date or something like that. So so really nutrient-dense, really good for you. And uh, occasionally I will do like gels, bars, things like that. Lara bars are awesome, super whole foody. But there's also some awesome uh, gel brands out there that are more geared towards whole food. I know like Spring Energy, Mirror Energy. I've actually been working with this company, Crown Health. They've they've sent me some stuff recently. Uh, they're a European company, um, but they're also uh, all whole food um, type stuff. So, so yeah, I, I like those three layers: those complex carbs, uh, fats. Uh, really, only if I'm going longer than say two hours and then uh, those simple simple carbohydrates to get that blood and then stream. how do you recover the body yeah that's a great question and, and i would argue that that's the most important aspect to a nutrition plan um my my biggest thing is a smoothie i try and get a, a smoothie in uh within 30 minutes that's kind of the the research is pointing to you know, 30 minutes to an hour um, is, is the best time to get in that, that post-workout nutrition uh, for recovery. And I try to focus on you want, you want carbohydrates to replenish the glycogen stores that you've used up in your muscles. And you want protein. Um, and you want antioxidants. And so I've found that I have a couple of smoothie recipes that, that are my go-to post-run or post-workout post ride or swim or whatever you share one of those uh yeah uh my favorite one um i, I just call it the anti-inflammatory smoothie i'll put in usually it's just water if i feel like i went really hard I'll, I'll do like almond milk or soy milk if i want a little more protein and then i'll do like a couple huge fistfuls of, of frozen kale or spinach so greens um and then i will do a couple of frozen bananas um, you got some some carbohydrate right there. I'll do blueberries, which are super super awesome for for inflammation, or any any type of berry really, or or cherry. And then I'll throw in some oranges or like the little cuties, like tangerines. Some of the really important ingredients that I put in, I I always put in some turmeric and black pepper to help our bodies absorb the turmeric, and then. Uh, some fresh ginger as well. 
um, and then blend it all up and, and it's delicious. And if it was a really long workout, I'll try and add a little more protein, whether that be nuts or I'll even put beans in my smoothies sometimes. If you rinse them, you can put white beans in a, in a fruit smoothie and it just disappears. So, um, yeah, that's... Mm. Like that's great a, northern beans? Yep, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so that, that adds a little extra a, hit of protein. If, yeah, and if I bet it adds like, like a little bit, of, almost like a, like a thickness yeah, to it. Yeah, it. it makes it a little bit creamy too. And you can do black beans if it's more of like a, like a I do like a chocolate peanut butter protein shake as well mm. uh and black beans in that is fantastic so that sounds so I'll good to, i'll have to give you guys the recipes so. yeah yeah <laughs> and you've got some recipes on your website yeah, too I do. so I do. We'll, we're gonna put links to all that in the show awesome. notes um do you ever do intermittent fasting i personally do not um i feel like it can be useful for certain people um there's implications for for weight loss um, intermittent fasting that can help. I feel like for most people, especially athletes, just because they're already not hitting their calorie marks, <laughs> it's kind of a dangerous path to go on. And that's not to say that you, that you can't do that or, or that there's not benefits there because there can be. But me personally, I'm not trying to heal anything in particular or, or lose weight, certainly not right now. And so for me personally, I, I don't, uh, do intermittent fasting. I will try to not eat within a certain, like within an hour of going to bed. Um, but that's, that's mostly just so I can sleep yeah. better. So your body's not working while you're, exactly. you know, and also drinking a lot. Now your kidneys are working throughout the evening. So we had a question on, uh, I, once a month, Beej and I do a podcast and people send in questions. And we had a question on the carnivore diet. Mm. Oh, I actually think I listened to your podcast on that. Yeah. So, Pete Jacobs. Yeah, yeah, Pete yeah, Jacobs, yeah, yeah, yeah. who was an Ironman champion, is yeah. now, and he's finding his way, right? So you right. heard our explanation. Right. Like, it's for us, no, I feel really grateful that I'm not only eating animal products and no more fruits and vegetables, but you understanding the research around plants yeah, and the benefit that they can have for long-term health, also performance. Um, what is your, are you, what is your take on this carnivore movement? Yeah. It's, it's hard for me not to get worked up. Sometimes I try to say, mm. stay chill about stay it. Stay non-judgmental. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I, I mean, you have to go into it knowing that we are highly adaptable and, and humans have eaten all sorts of things forever and survived and thrived. And so because of that, you can't, you can't look at any one diet and say, oh, that's, that's not doable or that's not healthy. But you can look at the current research and say, okay, well, those types of, of meat-centric diets tend to not help people live very long. <laughs> Obviously, it is on a spectrum. And even myself, if I were to go out and, and I wouldn't do this for so many reasons, but if I were to go out and have a hamburger once a week, honestly, health-wise and performance-wise, I would be fine. I would be totally fine. I Honestly, I would probably see no negative side effects besides the fact of just feeling crappy right after I eat that hamburger and the moral and ethical and environmental implications of that. But I think that it's important to, 
to look at the I, I always use this word with my with my wife uh, preponderance of evidence and she gives me a hard time for that but basically where the most evidence is pointing towards and that is plants it it just is and that plants not only help us thrive in our day-to-day right now um, with inflammation in in our workouts and in our busy lives but also just in the long term that that it lowers your disease risks so much and, and it's really it's really sound peer-reviewed science that's showing us that it's hard for me to um, just ignore that when I see these these really meat centric diets and say okay well well maybe that is working for you personally and and we are all different we have different genetics and everything um, but for the majority of people um, that is not going to be, uh, at least in, in my way of thinking that the healthiest, uh, option. So, because one of the reasons, and I think I brought this up on the podcast is that, I mean, maybe I'm way off point, but I really feel like fiber is very important for the body. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. You're, you're missing out on, on so many nutrients when you are, completely getting rid of of plants and lots of people will look at a vegan diet or a plant-based diet and say well you're missing out on b12 or omega-3 epa dha um, or vitamin d or iron or whatever it is and you can look at that tiny little list and then say okay well the majority on of people on a standard american diet um It's like a crazy percentage, a crazy low percentage of people that are getting the recommended fiber intake every day. And that has been shown to be so, so important to our health. And and it's just people are kind of putting up blinders to to those deficiencies, the real deficiencies that people are having and kind of looking at a plant-centered diet and saying, oh, you're missing out on these little things. It's like, well, actually, I'm not. But on top of that, look at what what you're missing out on and and it can be really detrimental and that's why they're over a long long term like the long-term effects of 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 a meat-centered diet are are super negative um, because you're you're chronically low on fiber and all of these vitamins and minerals that that you're getting so many of on a on a varied plant-based diet obviously long term it can't be it can't be sustainable. No. So I don't think there's any, the longevity studies that we've been following and the blue zones, I don't think there's any um, long-term study for, for populations and communities of people who just eat meat that I know of. That, that, that I'm aware of, no. Aware I mean, of. there have been uh, some studies looking at like some of the, the native populations like in northern Alaska and stuff that that primarily eat caribou and fish and like seals and stuff like that. Yeah, besides that I I don't know of any ongoing studies that are that are looking at those. Yes, uh, game changers. Let's switch gears. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about <laughs> it. You just did you just write a uh, a rebunking? I I did. Of the game changers. I did. I I so after I saw the movie I saw it twice. Um, did you go to an opening a theater? I did. Or did you, yeah, I did. Okay. They had it here in Flagstaff, um, and so there were a bunch of us nerdy vegans there at, 
at, at the Game Changers premiere, all stoked about it. Um, and I loved it. I, I thought it was awesome. Um, and then I actually watched it again. We watched it with my parents when they were visiting, and they really liked it as well. Uh, shortly after that, I followed the, the Game Changers movie hashtag on Instagram just to kind of see what people were saying about it. And there's a lot of really awesome posts, people posting about, hey, I just saw this documentary. I'm going to try to start to eat more plants. And they post pictures of their food that they're eating, which is great. I love that. But there were so many posts on debunking the game changers. Um, and there were a lot of people that really like had their feathers ruffled by and, and felt threatened by the game changers. And, and you can imagine what what groups of people those uh, comments were coming from or those posts were coming from is, is primarily um, people eating a paleo or a ketogenic Atkins style diet that, that felt kind of challenged by that. Um, and so I thought, well, okay, I, I want to write a, a rebunking of the Game Changers uh, to kind of show people that, yes, it was a documentary. It was a film. And, and should you be basing your whole diet on a film? No, that's not that that that's probably not the best idea uh, to be getting all of your nutrition information from a film. Um, but the point of those films is to point you in a direction and to and to get you to start thinking about things, which is exactly what the Game Changers did. And so I think if people look at it in in the correct light as something that is supposed to be influencing our thought process um, and bring to light some things that most people haven't really thought about, um, that's exactly what it does. And I think where people miss the mark is is where they think that the Game Changers is trying to make everyone go vegan or, or uh, show exactly what you should eat and why. That's not what it's for. That's, that's what nutrition research is for. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of why I wanted to write that. Well, it also, it proves it, it, it gets people out of the excuse that it's not possible. Exactly. So it creates possibilities. Mm -hmm. So even if the seed is planted that it's possible that a guy can lift a ton of weight with people standing on it on a plant-based diet, lift more weight than anybody has ever lifted. Yeah then it's possible. So what else is possible? So exactly. in the lowest level of what this movie can bring out, it's to show that maybe in some way you're limiting yourself in your belief system. And that could be food, that could be athletic performance, it could be your relationships, whatever it is. But it opens up that possibility, right? Mm -hmm. that, that this can happen. Um, what was one of the craziest things that you saw? Or one of I... the comments you saw? Uh, one of the, one of the comments. Yeah. So I've just seen one of them was actually, um, a nutritionist here in, in Flagstaff who I previously thought was like pretty plant, like down with a plant-based diet, at least plant slanted. Uh, and she came out with a review that was like really negative towards, towards game changes. And, and it was, it was surprising um, to see that in, in someone that, who I thought was kind of level-headed about, about nutrition. I don't know. It's, 
as you guys know, food is very tied to our identities. Um, and I think anytime you threaten that identity in someone, um, it, they take it personally and it, and it can really lead to some, um, in psychology, there's a, a term cognitive dissonance, um, where your behavior isn't necessarily matching new information that you're receiving. Um, and so, it, and especially if you feel like there might be some truth to that new information, uh, we're even more likely to make up excuses or um, kind of downplay that to, because it's stressful. It's stressful to feel that difference between our behavior and what we think we should probably actually be doing. Um, and so I think a lot of people felt that with the Game Changers. Yeah, it's 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 a tricky it's a tricky thing to to navigate with people and their their love towards their food that they're eating. But so somebody who's listening in there, they're interested to find out more information, more about the science specifically. Let's talk about that. Um, what would you recommend as a as a great resource for them? Yeah, um, one of my favorite uh, resources uh, in two different forms is by uh, Dr. Michael Greger. Um, he puts it so simply that you don't need a nutrition degree to understand uh, what's going on. Um, and he has a website, uh, nutritionfacts.org. You can subscribe to daily videos. And basically what he does, he, he looks at um, all of the latest nutrition research and uh, just summarizes um, little things about specific foods or specific diseases or things that, can, that the research is showing that can help certain things. Um, and he'll summarize it in these little three-minute videos, uh, and they're super awesome. So, and that's all free. You can look up almost any subject on their nutrition or body-related, and it'll come up with like ten videos on on um, things that that informational uh, things that that you can find out about those things. So, um, and then he also wrote a book, How Not to Die. Uh, maybe you guys are familiar with that one awesome book. Um, it goes through some of the leading causes of death uh, in the U.S. and then how food can um, actually uh, prevent and even reverse some of those those uh, common things. So that that is a great starting place for someone trying to enrich their lives with more nutrition information. Oh my God. Dr. Gregor was such a, a guiding light for us at the oh, beginning. Yeah. I mean, oh, we yeah. did the subscription Binge. every day. We were like, dung, 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 yeah. you know, like watch the video. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. <laughs> it's so Until good. now. Yes, <laughs> exactly. All right. Awesome, Vic. So how can people get, are you taking on any new athletes? I am. I, right. I have a pretty decent group right now, but I'm taking on um, a few more. I, I still have room. Okay. Um, how can people get a hold of you and follow you and yeah so I have a website vegantrailrunner.com um, and that's where you can fill out a form uh, if you're interested in coaching and I actually do the first consultation is always free and so that's where people can kind of ask me certain questions and kind of feel it out and see if see if uh, my coaching would actually help them with their goals go on there fill out the form um, I'll contact you and then we can figure out a good time to talk besides that i'm on on instagram uh vegan trail runner give me a follow and i try and post stuff that's relevant and and interesting and, and useful so 
Awesome. Thank you so much, Vic. Yeah, thank you. Psyched to connect with you and have you on the show and share all this awesome wisdom. Um, And I just love what you're doing over at NAU. And I think you're changing the game, dude. Awesome. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. 